It's that crime of the month with Nicola Graham and Christiana Brockbank. In this episode, we'll be diving into a story on a subject that's pretty bloody taboo, happens on the regular, and generally affects women way more than men. Yep, it's true crime. Yeah, I've been watching, um, well, I literally started watching it today, the documentary about the Yorkshire Ripper, but it's it's a bit different to like a normal one because it's, um, I think it's called like the Yorkshire Ripper Files, a very British crime story or something like that. I don't know if I've watched that. Is it like a certain amount of parts? Yeah, it's like a three-parter, I think, and it won a BAFTA recently for Best Documentary. Oh, is it? Is it based on that book that I've read, that massive one? I don't know. Maybe it is. I think he. I think before he wrote the book, he did the BAFTA. I can't think what his name was there. It's it's like a female journalist. Oh no, then ignore me. <laughs> it's weird because it's like it's totally different to you know, like the Netflix documentaries where it's like there's no, you have no idea that there's a an interviewer there. And it's just like people sitting in front of the camera talking. Yes, yeah. And you don't hear their voice. Yeah, it's not like that. It's like she's properly involved, like she's interviewing the people. Like when Prince Andrew got interviewed by Emily Maitlis. Matlis? Just like that? Yeah. Okay. Just so I could envisage it. Less peedy though. So yeah, it's a bit weird because of that. But it's good as well because it's all about... It's really all about like how women were treated... Yeah, because didn't it start like an almost feminist movement? Not, you know, obviously feminism had started by then. But because they were saying to everyone, stay indoors. Yeah. They were like, piss off. Get the men to stay indoors. They're the ones killing. Not like, we're the ones getting raped and murdered. Well, he didn't really do much raping, but just did a lot. I think he masturbated over the bodies. Oh, yeah, because he had those little pants on. He had those little shorts that he made out of a jumper. (sighs) So he had the head... The neck bit, where your head would pop out, he had it where his crotch was. Sorry, I'm actually showing Christiana like I've actually got my hands in front of my crotch. Yeah, well. <laughs> so he'd put the little arm, his legs through the little armholes yeah. and then have this sort of open, because it was cold. And actually, no one knows cold unless you've been to Yorkshire in winter. Very true. <laughs> but there's like, even now, some of the attitudes, there's like an ex-police officer on it, and he's basically blaming all the women still. Oh. And saying, well, we couldn't just arrest all the people that were like soliciting prostitutes, even though they were arresting all the prostitutes. Ugh, it's just ridiculous. It's so unfair. Well, that, that case is so frustrating. I mean, I can't recommend that book enough. I mean, I say that, but I can't remember what it's called. Um, let me... Go on, find it. it. I got it. I remember getting it through... Um, I was going to say the post. It's not the post. It's it's Amazon, isn't it? It's called Wicked Beyond Belief, The Hunt for the Yorkshire Ripper, and it's by Michael Michael Bilton, is it? Oh, yeah. I remember you talking about... This is the book that you were reading when the, the mouse was dying that night. <laughs> oh, oh, God, yeah, it was, because I just wanted to end it, yeah. The book and the mouse. <laughs> Oh my god, that part of my life um, feel, feels welcome compared to this part. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, and it, it is literally, you could probably kill someone with the book, ironically. You could bash someone over the head. <laughs> you could use it as a hammer, which is ironic, really. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's huge. 
And I thought, I'm not... I kept putting off reading it because I thought, I don't know if I can tackle this. But actually, it was fascinating because it can't not be that big because the so it went on for so long and there were so many errors made. It was... Oh, it's absolutely a shit show. It's because there was no computers. It was all paper, so that was the problem. He could have been caught like five times if they'd actually carried things to the end, but because he never did... I think what this documentary is showing as well, if if they'd actually listened to the women that were talking about it, because there was quite a few survivors, weren't there? Like people that got hit. That had perfect like recollections of him. Yeah. And that did e-fits that were really similar. He, he was interviewed like nine times. And because they didn't listen to women, it was just different, like, you know, attitudes towards women were, because they were seen to be sex workers as well that they but a lot of them weren't that's the thing like this is what it shows there was not really any proof or it was like they were doing it just to get by that one time it wasn't like they were into like regular sex work not that that means that police shouldn't look after you as much as someone who's not a sex worker but yeah it's just a really it's a horrible look at like 70s britain (laughs) but it's really really good yeah really good documentary i recommend it we haven't really recorded for a while. I'm quite excited about doing a big episode. I know, this is going to be... I think this is... Is this the biggest one we've done? It's a complex story, for sure. <laughs> I'm excited about one day doing doing a two-parter. I don't think this will be a two-parter, but it, it's... Yeah, it's mental. And actually, it's one that I sort of vaguely knew. It was almost like, I, I don't know, I, I had heard about it, but not obviously knew all the details because it's mad but when I've mentioned it to people they're sort of like oh yeah I think I remember that it's that sort of always a tip of your tongue sort of thing or like people have heard about it but then oh I thought it was made up or I don't think that was real and you're like no it is (laughs) well I remember we were like we were sort of just trying to decide what we were going to do next and weirdly we'd both seen something about it and we both were like well you said oh what about like um the case of D.D. Blanchard. And I was like, yes! Like, I'm just... I'm sure I did not say that. I'm sure I said, do you remember this fucking mental case about this person? And then probably said some horrific thing from it. And you were like, oh yeah, the case of D.D. Blanchard. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that one. Um, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> definitely we have to do this one. Because it is so crazy. So, strapping guys, I think it's probably going to be a long one. It might be our longest one. What's our longest one so far? I think the Chris Benoit one's going to be up there, hasn't it? That was quite... Oh, yeah, yeah. My brother enjoyed the shout-out. I think he's had two now. Oh. And know, uh, bless him. Just to let viewers know... Viewers? Not viewers, <laughs> listeners. Just to let... I hope no one's watching me a lot of shit. Just to let any listeners know, my brother did have a belt. Do you remember we spoke about belts? And I was like, no, I don't think I had a belt, a wrestling belt. He was like, no, I did have a belt, and it like made noises or something. So there we go. Clarification for you all. Do you know what? I I knew that you he would have, or like that you would have had one in the house. You can't not have a belt. I was actually clearing out one of my um, drawers and found my rock t-shirt. And I was like, I'm so annoyed that I didn't wear this when we were doing the Chris Benoit. <laughs> so Chris, I should have worn it. Oh, I would have loved that. If we that. ever do any like press shots, I'll wear it. I'll be like... <laughs> press shots. Wow, you've got <laughs> some high hopes there. Heady um, aspirations. Press shots. Um, it's going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah, as we said, this is the murder of Dee Dee Blanchard. Claudine Dee Dee Blanchard was born Claudine Petra. Is that, do you think that's the right? P- Petra. Yeah, P- Petra. Like Petri dish. Piter. Oh. Like Mitre. 
maybe. It's spelled like Mitre, but with a P. Um, And she was born in Chack Bay, Louisiana, on the 3rd of May, 1967. She was the daughter of Claude Anthony Peter Sr. I'm just going to go with Peter. And Emma Lois Gisclair. Again, it's quite some quite... Uh, quite jazzy little names, aren't they? Yeah, jazzy. Very jazzy names. That's what I look for in a partner. Jazzy surname. Yeah. <laughs> she had five siblings. Claude Jr., Claudia Evans, Dorla and Todd. So, yeah, there isn't a lot about Dee Dee's early life, but there is a little bit of information about when she became an adult that she worked as a, a nurse's aide. And Can I just say how sad that must be if... Like, if I die and then people are like, oh, I don't really know much about... Like, is that not the saddest thing ever? Yeah. I don't know. Later in life, Dee Dee, um, she was close with one of her neighbours, a single mother named Amy Penega, I think. Is that how you pronounce it? Again, (laughs) crazy names. She bonded with Amy and um, Dee Dee shared stories about her life, telling her how she'd grown up in Louisiana but fled her abusive family with her daughter... Her daughter was called Gypsy Rose, and she said that her father, Gypsy's grandfather, had burnt Gypsy with cigarettes, which is one of the reasons that they left. But I think she also had quite a difficult relationship with her mother, who was quite overbearing, I think. She t- tended to fixate on on her in particular out of the six children. Dee Dee um, and Gypsy, they had a really like close bond. One of the main reasons for this was that Gypsy Rose had a lot of disabilities. So Dee Dee had also told her neighbour that they'd actually got away from Gypsy's father, who was an alcoholic, a drug abuser, and someone who laughed at Gypsy's disabilities, and that that she'd never received any support um, from him financially. When Gypsy Rose was born, um, it was a, a difficult start. She was premature and had to spend time in neonatal intensive care, which Dee Dee attributed to the enormous number of health conditions and afflictions she'd suffer from. It's believed that the first thing that Gypsy was diagnosed with was sleep apnea, but she was subsequently diagnosed with chromosomal defects, muscular dystrophy, epilepsy, severe asthma, eye problems, and had leukemia as a toddler. That's intense. Yeah, it's a lot, isn't it? And don't they in America walk like, don't you actually physically have your records? Can you imagine how big that was? It was probably like five boxes or something. It's probably like that book that you had. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I forgot to bring the records. I brought the bloody Jack the Ripper book with us. Let's go home. <laughs> As a result of the medication and her health problems, her teeth actually crumbled. So she basically didn't have any teeth at the front, did she? And she spoke in a high childlike voice. And for most of her childhood, she didn't have any hair because of the chemotherapy she was undergoing. She liked to wear wigs and hats to cover her loss. And she also had like, you know, like the (laughs) NHS style, like huge glasses to obviously help her with a worsening eyesight. Um, She was really small and weak. Because of all these health problems, another thing that she had to go through was uh, being fed intravenously when her weight got too low. Not an issue for me. (laughs) (laughs) Nope, me neither. (laughs) Dee Dee also said that she had the mind of a seven-year-old. So this friend, Amy Pinegar, spelt like vinegar, but with a P. Pinegar. Pinegar. Who knows? <laughs> uh, said that she often felt that it was cruel keeping a child with so many medical issues alive, which I think is a bit harsh. Like, you don't just kill kids because they've got... Can you imagine if Amy was your mom, you'd be like, fuck! <laughs> 
But basically, she used to think, is she happy? Um, but then she just, you know, she saw the life that Dee Dee was providing for her. Yeah, I think it was more that she constantly, because she, I think, did a lot of driving. So she'd drive them to the airport and then for them to fly to, like, Kansas to go to the children's hospital and stuff. So she, I think, saw, like, how much time was spent having treatment and stuff. And I think she just thought, how can this be, like, actually... Worth it. (laughs) What's the point? Throw in a river! (laughs) I know, but that is quite a harsh thing to sort of imply, isn't it? Like, oh, but anyway. She's a woman after my own heart, Amy. (laughs) Yeah, so she did sort of concede that, you know, Dee Dee was providing this amazing life for her because they got a lot of help from like places like Make-A-Wish Foundation. She went to Disney World for free loads of times. She met Miranda Lambert through the Make-A-Wish Foundation. I'm not really sure who that is, but... I think, is she not a country singer? Oh, is she? I think she's a famous country singer or something. Yeah, I wouldn't know that. And apparently, this Miranda Lambert, she sounds lovely. She ended up sending gypsy checks totaling $6,000. Very nice. Yeah. So they also got, like, lots of gifts, and they would feature on, on local news. They even got given their own house after some tragic circumstances, which we'll go into later. Penega said that she actually... I'm going to just pronounce it different every single time. You say Penega and I'm going to think Panga in my head. <laughs> I'd be very surprised if it's Panga. <laughs> so Amy, I'm going to say, says that she actually sometimes felt jealous because of all the things they got and they did seem happy. Again, this Amy, she seems... <laughs> Like, why bother keeping her alive? <laughs> Is it me? I feel like it's. I feel like it's me. I'd be like, yeah, I'd be furious. I'd be well gel. <laughs> number one, why bother keeping her alive? And then number two, I want that stuff. It's the Disney. Yeah, that's the one thing that the Disney and the free house. I'd be like so jealous. Not bothered about Miranda Lambert. No offense if you're listening, Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a big fan, sorry, but I don't know. I I think I'd. Be, I'd be jealous. Well, I mean, there's lots of videos as well of them together and they do really seem to have this amazing mother-daughter relationship. Um, They're all always, you know, laughing and smiling and I think Dee Dee relied on Gypsy as much as Gypsy relied on her. Yeah. In September 2005, Dee Dee and Gypsy moved from Slidell, Louisiana to Aurora, Missouri into a rental property in order to wait for their new home to be built. This home was funded by Habitat for Humanity, a non-profit organisation that helps families build and improve places to call home. The reason that they'd been awarded this home is because their previous home in Louisiana had been destroyed by Hurricane Katrina. Um, They'd lost everything through this, including all of Gypsy's medical records. And at the point they moved into their new home, Gypsy was wheelchair-bound. She was using a feeding tube and sometimes an oxygen tank. So this new home had been built especially for them with ramps and a jacuzzi to help with her muscular dystrophy. Yeah, that's a lot of equipment, isn't it? Yeah, expensive. I think from what I've read, um, this area, that this um, estate that they were living on, mm-hmm. they were all like homes for humanity. So she was living around lots of people who had similar, not similar situations, but there was a reason that they were there. They had you know, help from the community and that kind of thing. So Dee Dee basically set up a projection on the side of her house and she would show kids from the neighbourhood films. She'd charge a small fee, but that would all go towards Gypsy's treatments. 
And I think that was for like popcorn, like for the concessions. So that feels reasonable. Yeah. I'd do that if someone was doing that down the road. Yeah, it was a good cause and apparently like it was quite hard to get to the, you know, to the nearest cinema. Yeah, and I think it was quite expensive. So she sort of did it as like a nice sort of thing for the local kids. By all accounts, Dee Dee was an affable woman who many people remember as gregarious, kind, God-fearing and incredibly protective over her daughter. She was always by Gypsy's side and rarely let her go anywhere by herself due to her demanding care needs and the fact that she was still a child. She said, we are a pair of shoes, never good without the other. Unless you've got one leg. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. Yeah, valid. Should we go on to the murder? That was supposed to be Scottish, like in... Taggart, wasn't it? Taggart, that was it. I used to love Taggart. Weird. Okay. On the 14th of June, 2015, friends of Dee Dee... I thought we're concerned. I feel like if I saw this, I'd be more more than concerned. When they saw a Facebook update posted on Didi's account, it said, that bitch is dead. And that was it. Friends began commenting, thinking that the account had been hacked. And when there were no responses from Didi, people started to obviously worry and see if someone could check up, up on her or contact the police. With people then in the comment section, like debating about what to do, another update was posted that said... I fucking slashed that fat pig and raped her sweet, innocent daughter. Her scream was so fucking loud, lol. Can I just stay all in caps, apart from I fucking. And can I can I just state that fucking is spelled peculiar, peculiar, I can't say it. It's spelled very incorrectly. Yeah. Can I also say, as someone who, when I'm on Facebook, if anyone ever puts something on Facebook that's like, oh my God, the worst thing ever's happening... I would be all over this. I'd be like, waiting for the next update. I don't know about anybody else. Awful, obviously. But yeah, I'd be like, oh my God, I need to be all over this, see what's going to happen. Yeah, if you saw that, you would be like, like I'm going to sit by my computer until something gets sorted out. Yeah. I mean, I suppose you wouldn't assume anything awful had happened. Well, you'd maybe think that someone stole a phone or something. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's what lots of people said, didn't they? They were like, it's been hacked. The account's been hacked. Yeah, because it was so not like Dee Dee. So a neighbour, Kim Blanchard, not related. But probably though, let's face it. (laughs) But probably, but probably. She was one of the first people to actually do something about it. So she had met Dee Dee and Gypsy at a sci-fi convention. So apparently they used to go to a lot of sci-fi conventions and it was often because Gypsy could dress up and not look out of place. Kim called Dee Dee's number, but there was no answer. So she told her husband and her husband actually said, well look, we'll drive there because if you can't get hold of her, you know, if this is completely out of, you know, order for her, then we'll go. So they drove to Dee Dee's house and were met by a ton of concerned neighbours. Like, there was all people stood outside the house. Some people sort of said, well, Dee Dee had been unreachable before. Sometimes she'd, her and Gypsy had gone to hospital appointments without telling people. So it wasn't that out of the ordinary. But obviously, right in. I fucking slash out that pig and raped her sweet innocent daughter. Her scream was so fucking loud. Probably was. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say, this sounds like my mum, like that she's unreachable, that she just like leaves a, a mobile phone at home and then goes out. So infuriating. The amount of times I thought she's dead. To be fair, my mum does that a bit. And sometimes, and then eventually I get a hold of her, she'll be like, sorry, I wasn't wearing my Fitbit. So it didn't like, because it wasn't on my wrist telling me. I just didn't. And I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's worrying. I just think people from that generation are not used to carrying a phone with them around all the time. Yeah, like it's the first thing I've noticed. Well, not now. Now's a mask. 
but it's the first thing you notice that you've left. Oh my God, did I tell you? Completely off topic. A few a few weeks ago, I thought, oh, I could sunbathe at the park. And I started walking there. And I realised I had my slippers on, my furry slippers. Oh my God. <laughs> I'd got out with the house in fluffy slippers. And they look like slippers. Like, yeah, you couldn't get away with it. Oh yeah, yeah, they do. They full on look like They look like a little bison on my foot or something. <laughs> I, and I, it was like, oh my God. And then I'd already got like 10 minutes away. So I had to then turn around and walk back. Horrendous. Um, everyone be careful about what you wear on your feet. They must have a good soul on them though. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, I kept thinking that. Oh, I, that's how I ended up thinking, what's on my feet? Because I remember thinking like, these are really like cushioned. What is it? Oh my God. And then it was like, what, the walk of shame back. It was the worst walk of shame I've ever done. And I've done a few. <laughs> yeah. So Didi had been reachable before. So people were there obviously around the building. So they were like, let's look through the window. But because she obviously craves privacy like I do. She had protective film on the windows. I don't, but I would if I could. So people were trying to look through, but they actually couldn't. What worried people the most was that Didi's new van, it, it's one that they, she could fit Gypsy in while still in a wheelchair, so it was modified, but it was still on the drive. So they sort of said, well, she would realistically never go anywhere without her van. So that's what was most concerning. The police were called. They couldn't enter the house without a warrant. That's mad, isn't it? Yeah, because if it is a welfare check. Yeah, and if everyone's there... I don't know, I don't know what the law is, but they could, they weren't allowed to do anything until they'd got a warrant. So Kim's husband climbed in through a window. Don't know why no one else had thought about doing that. Um, and also, if someone's left a window open, they're in there. I remember mum used to say to me, oh, if you were going anywhere, how even when I went home a few weeks ago, I was like heading out and my dad would shout up and he'd be like, can you make sure all the windows are shut upstairs? And you're like, oh my God, no one is going to get a fucking ladder and try and squeeze through a fucking tiny little window. But it's that, it's that generation, it's that mentality. Shut every window because you'll get burgled. To be fair, I think we did get burgled and it was because I left a bathroom window open. Uh-oh. <laughs> but it was, it was when I was young. I think it was a big window. I don't know. I hope no one listens to this. <laughs> he, he didn't do a very good job, I'm going to say. So he got in. I don't know if he poked his head through rather than actually got in. But he didn't see anything wrong. He didn't see any signs of a struggle. He didn't see anything untoward. Nothing. But he did see all of Gypsy's wheelchairs were there. But, I mean, I think he did have a good, like, wander around. But it's kind of a good thing that he didn't see anything. Because it does remind me a bit of, like, the Chris Benoit case where they just let civilians in to just check it out to just you know test the water and then feel bad if they get PTSD because of like they've seen something horrific and it's not even that I would just think crime scene yeah do you know what I mean that's the thing as well like you're soiling a crime scene but anyway whilst this was going on Kim was posting updates on Facebook uh, classic Kim to keep people updated so she was obviously commenting on the statuses and this is all why they were waiting for the police to get the warrant. But then people started questioning her on Facebook about what else was going on. And she sort of said to everyone, look, whoever's posted this status, like these, these statuses on Dee Dee's account could also be reading this. Yeah, they will be because they obviously have access to that account and they'll be getting notifications. Scary. Ugh. I hope if I get murdered, it doesn't get played out on Facebook. I don't want that. Oh, it's so tacky. Um, <laughs> just let them know that, Chris. So a search warrant finally came through at 10.45pm. The police found Dee Dee's body in the bedroom. Apparently she had a pink bedroom and the house was pink. Respect. She'd been stabbed several times and it'd be dead for several days. 
There was no sign of Gypsy, however. It was assumed that she'd been kidnapped. People then, obviously, began assuming the worst. How could someone that was so ill and so small and so vulnerable survive this if something worse hadn't happened already? So the tight little community were absolutely bereft. Something quite bizarre then happened. Hmm. Aaliyah Woodmancy, what a name. Again. Aaliyah Woodmancy was a neighbour of Dee Dee and Gypsy's. She was actually Kim Pangar's Venegas' daughter. Amy, you mean, not Kim. Did I say, oh, Kim, I'm getting Kim Blanchard mixed up and Amy Pangar. <laughs> Pangar. Um, Yeah, that was her daughter. She told the police that she thought Gypsy had a secret boyfriend. So Gypsy and Aaliyah had become friends over the years. She felt like she was a big sister, big sister to Gypsy. So Gypsy was 19 and Aaliyah was 23, so four years difference. Dee Dee rarely left Gypsy's side, so Gypsy started a secret Facebook account under the name Emma Rose and contacted Aaliyah in October 2014 through that. In the Facebook message, Gypsy said, This is my personal account. My mum is still overprotective, so she don't know about this account. She then told Aaliyah how she'd met a man on a Christian dating site. (laughs) Give me the tips. (laughs) And she'd fallen in love with him, but her mother wouldn't let her date. So Aaliyah was concerned for Gypsy. Gypsy had told her that her and this guy were then going to elope and that they'd had sexual exchanges online with elements of BDSM. What does that stand for, Chris? Um, Bad, dirty, bad, dirty sex mania. (laughs) I don't know. I'm too naive for this. Bondage, sadomasochism, but BDSM. Yeah, actually, you look this up because I don't want it on my history. Here we go. Bondage, discipline, dominance and submission. Oh. Or sadomasochism. It doesn't sound very Christian, does it? No. But I don't think that's in the Ten Commandments. But I think you do find, though, with Christians, because they're so horny. Repressed people. Yeah. They're into some disgusting things. For sure. Obviously, don't mind. Do what you like, as long as there's consent. We've said this before. Aaliyah tried to talk her out of continuing contact with this man, but thought that Gypsy may have been exaggerating or making some of what she was saying up. Aaliyah knew, though, that Gypsy had spoken to men online before and attempted to meet up with some. She was scared to carry on talking to Gypsy because years earlier, Dee Dee had actually accused Aaliyah of corrupting Gypsy because she was having these conversations with her on Facebook where actually it was almost the other way around. Aaliyah was just listening and Gypsy was like going all for it and she was a bit like, ooh, this sounds a bit mad. So the police, armed with this knowledge, traced the IP address that posted the status updates on Dee Dee's Facebook account and it was registered to a Nicholas Godajon who lived in Wisconsin. Officers arrived at Godajon's house and there was a brief standoff, but he eventually surrendered and there they found Gypsy, alive. The next morning at a press conference, the sheriff said, things are not always as they seem. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh, I got shivers. <laughs> and then, listen to part two next week. No, just kidding. <laughs> So, what was actually going on here? Well, police were shocked when they first found Gypsy. They were basically expecting an incredibly ill, disabled child who couldn't walk and had the mind of a seven-year-old, and she would probably be traumatised by whatever had happened to her and her mother, if she could even understand it at all. But that's not what happened. In fact, she could walk just fine. What? I know. Shocker. But she didn't appear ill. 
She had no medication with her, no oxygen tank, no wigs or glasses, and her bald head that had been attributed to the fact that she was having chemo was actually growing hair and was now quite spiky. She spoke like an adult and seemed to understand things as, as you would expect of someone who was an adult. She told the police that everything was a lie. She wasn't ill, had never been ill, and her mother had made everything up. I remember um, I read a little bit about something and the, they said that the, the police couldn't believe how well she spoke, like she almost spoke. It was almost like poetry, how she spoke and put sentences together. Imagine that, like expecting someone like with severe special needs sort of thing, and then it's like, <laughs> you'd be like, what? That's what the person who did one of the documentaries um, I watched, she said one of the like... The biggest surprises was how eloquent she was because, you know, to everyone else she'd been portrayed as this, like, person with learning difficulties and they'd been held back. She'd been homeschooled as well because apparently she wouldn't have been able to keep up with people in the class and everything like that, so... Yeah, it was a big shock to everybody. Following the days after Dee Dee's murder, it became apparent that this was not just a murder caused by two star-crossed lovers and that actually the cause behind it was more complex um, and that a condition called Munchausen by proxy was responsible because every illness that Gypsy had was made up, but not by Gypsy. Dee Dee had made up everything that was wrong with her daughter from birth. Munchausen by proxy, if you don't know, it's a form of abuse in which the parent or guardian exaggerates or induces illness in a, in a child for attention and sympathy. It's essentially medical child abuse, different from something called malingering, which is faking or inducing symptoms for material benefit. If I was going to do one, I would do the malingering. <laughs> yeah. But she kind of did that. As well, though, because like they got an awful lot of free stuff out of it, didn't they? Oh, yeah, yeah. But I do think, from what we're going to talk about, I think you get the vibe that it's obviously there's something wrong with her. Yeah, it's more about the attention. Yeah, yeah, the emotional side of it. And that other stuff comes as like a an extra... Yeah, bonus. ...perk. Yeah. Yeah, bonus. Yeah. Relatives recall that from an early age, Dee Dee was engaged in petty theft, like writing bad checks and shoplifting, often as a form of retaliation if things didn't go her way. I think in one of the documentaries that I watched as well, there was something about how her mother did the same thing. Yes. Um, They were seen to be quite similar, like, in personalities, and that she would write bad checks or get in trouble with the law. Yeah. And as the youngest, Dee Dee would get spoiled by her mother and pushed, like, to do um, pageants and that kind of thing. Dee Dee's stepmother said that she had tried to kill her by putting weed killer roundup in her food thus causing to be bedridden for nine months after. That is mental! I couldn't believe that when I saw it. I was like, is that a joke? Nine months bedridden? But why, like, she didn't report it though, I'm guessing. Maybe they couldn't prove it, I don't know. Maybe. Thank goodness that she wasn't successful. But actually, talking along those lines, Dee Dee was suspected of killing her own mother in 1997 by denying her food. It's almost like there's a sort of control element to it as well isn't there yeah yeah as well like a thing with munchausen by proxy a lot of the time it's people that are interested in being part of like the caring profession so she was a nurse's aide and she had medical knowledge yeah and so i think she liked being in that role of like 
caretaker so she was caretaker to her mother but she had the control over her like that she would stop feeding her and apparently a lot of Munchausen by proxy people do have experience in the medical field and whether that's just exposure to it or they've actually worked in it and it's it just means that it's a lot easier for them if they're having a conversation with a normal person like one of us they can then reel all this medical jargon and knowledge at us and we'd be like okay yeah no that's yeah I believe you like it's that sort of I I can say it all this stuff you're not going to argue with me because it sounds like I know so it's that sort of backing up what they're saying with all that information which actually is nonsense but get away with it somehow when it came to claiming Dee Dee's ashes no members of her family wanted to they basically said to flush it down the toilet and she got what she deserved when she was murdered which is whew, I mean that's like a lot to say isn't it yeah I think they did like a little when they found out when the neighbours found out that she died they did like a little GoFundMe sort of thing for the funeral cost. so I don't know if they got they got that got used in the end because she had no money she just had trips to Disneyland and memories yeah <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, but like for her own like siblings to say that about her and they just were not interested. It says quite a lot about that, she, you know, she probably wasn't the greatest person ever. Another thing that she did, she would change her name quite a lot and, and use these various aliases so she wouldn't be found by people. Uh, this included like the law and also she would change doctors and stuff when she should move around. I feel like it's hard to do that in the UK because like she just changed she like added an e on the end of her last name and that seemed she seemed to be able to disappear and I was like mm, is it that easy? I don't think so. No because I think because of the NHS it means that everything's like tracked isn't it because you everybody gets their own NHS number and that yeah, is a way of um, making sure that people don't do that sort of thing. Gypsy's father, Rod Blanchard, met Dee Dee when he was still in high school and dated her for six months. She got pregnant quite quickly and... This is gross. If you're triggered by anything disgusting, <laughs> cover your ears. She was 24 and he was 17. Mm. Which, if the roles were reversed, you would be like, oh, that is disgusting as well. But it seems more disgusting which is a terrible thing is that isn't he a minor well it depends because different states have different laws i feel a bit sorry for rod this whole thing this whole experience i feel sorry for rod i mean i think that i think that's the thing it just feels like she's taking advantage of him if she was 17 he was 17 they got pregnant i'd be like okay fair enough but because she's an adult and a, a few years into being an adult it feels a bit like Ooh, can you not find a man your own age not there's anything wrong with that i'm all for is it sam taylor wood she's called now sam taylor johnson Female film film director, OBE, and she's married, she's 53, and she's married to Aaron Taylor-Johnson, and he's like 30-something. But I feel quite, like, happy about that. Yeah, so she's like 23 years older than him. But that's fine, because when they met, they were both legally adults. This is just creepy, because I'm not sure he's quite an adult. Can he make the dis- these all these adult decisions? I'm not sure. Yeah. So once he'd turned 18, he thought he should do the right thing and marry her. So he obviously wasn't old enough to get married at this point, but he just got her pregnant. He knew, basically, from the beginning that he didn't love her and eventually the marriage ended. I think that Dee Dee did try to, like... Get back with him. Yeah, get back with him, but it just it didn't work. Um, Poor Dee Dee. <laughs> but again, another thing about Munchausen's is to do with the fact that it's like low self-esteem and feeling wanted and all that kind of thing, which I can totally relate to. I think everyone on this, everyone listening, yeah. get a hear Amen. 
Gypsy Rose was born on the 27th of July, 1991. Um, so at the time of the murder, she was just... She, she was actually 23 years old and not 19, like Dee Dee told everyone. And I think Dee Dee had, like, several different birth certificates, didn't she, if, like, with different dates on? Yeah, she did. And apparently Gypsy didn't actually even really know... When she was arrested, she didn't actually know what how old she was. She thought she was 19, didn't she, I think? Yeah, I think... Yeah, we'll talk about that later, but, yeah, when she was arrested... There was a lot she didn't know. Dee Dee always passed Gypsy off as younger, which wasn't difficult due to Gypsy's small stature. She was five feet tall. Can you imagine being that tiny? Can I? Yes, I can. <laughs> I can't. Don't think anyone's ever recently looked at me and said, "You look bloody 15. I'm alive. Thank you very much. <laughs> Huge breasts. Give it away. Yeah, it's my height. <laughs> <laughs> So, in February 2011, she met a man at a sci-fi convention that she went to with Dee Dee. She was 15 at the time and the man was 35. He took Gypsy back to his hotel room, um, but Dee Dee found them and showed him paperwork that showed Gypsy was a minor. Gypsy says she remembers her mum saying to him, if you ever try to do that again, I'm going to smash your fingers with a hammer. Fair enough. I feel like someone's, <laughs> someone's channeling a bit of Kathy Bates there in misery. <laughs> If you see pictures of Kathy Bates, uh, of Kathy Bates, of Dee Dee, Kathy Bates would be perfect casting, like back then. Yeah, she's got she's like, got that dumpling look, hasn't she? Yeah, yeah. Afterwards, Gypsy remembers her mother smashing her computer and cell phones up. How's she got? I know. Cell phones plural? Believable. Make a wish. They love giving stuff like that away. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> it's 10 mobile phones. Cheers. Yeah, she, uh, her mother smashed up her computers and her cell phones and she allegedly also chained her to the bed for two weeks, which again sounds a lot like misery. Like, I don't know if she'd seen it. And BDSM. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something that I found out. They slept together in the same bed, like, all the way through. So when Who? Gypsy and Dee Dee... Oh, I thought you meant Kathy Bates and, I don't know, James Kahn or something. <laughs> no, no. She had her own room, Gypsy, but they would sleep in the same double bed. And obviously she was 23. I think, though, it started getting to the point where, with electronics, I don't think she could trust her, could she? I think she was so worried that she'd end up saying something or giving it away. One, Gypsy's dad said that Gypsy seemed to be a healthy baby at three months old, but Dee Dee came, became convinced that the baby had sleep apnea and she would stop breathing at night. So she took her to the hospital, but the doctors didn't find anything. And even after carrying out the required tests and monitoring her three times, they basically just gave up and gave her the breathing apparatus. They didn't like think... If you complain long enough, they'll just be like, yeah, okay, sure. Exactly. That seems to be what happened. So I think they just... She just wore them, the doctors down. This is the trouble with private healthcare. I was going to say, this is an American thing, isn't it? I don't think this is an... Like, because I guess in the UK... Oh my God, I was going to say to our like listeners overseas, we actually have listeners overseas. Yeah. Hi, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Unless they just accidentally press on the wrong thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, unless that happens. In which case, hi UK people. But the UK, like the NHS, obviously because it's state funded, and well, taxpayer funded, we want to save as much money as possible. So literally, unless you are dying and desperately need something, no, you are not having that. Whereas the U- US, and like other places, other a lot, a lot of places have private healthcare or paid for healthcare you know if you're willing to pay for it who are they to say no yeah because the thing is obviously i've said before that my mum has sleep apnea she had to go through like a sleep clinic and if they found nothing then they would have said well you don't need the machine but they did find something and she has the machine so anyway 
Even with that machine, Dee Dee continued to press about other health issues. She was convinced that there were so, so many other things wrong with Gypsy and she would list them all to Ron. When Gypsy was seven, she told her family and Ron that Gypsy had a chromosomal defect and would have to use a wheelchair from now on. So it's again bombarding people with the like different terms of like, oh, this is what's happened without any proof. Yeah, like you're not really going to question that, are you? Like if someone told me, oh, my daughter's got this wrong with them you're not gonna say like happy though because they look fine you're not, yeah you're not gonna say make a walk yeah. <laughs> you just take it because it's that thing isn't it like who would make up something so awful especially the her mother the person that's protecting her all the time and obviously they look so close to everybody they've got this remarkable bond yeah mad. so eventually ron remarried um but he did see gypsy a lot in the first 10 years of her life there's lots of photos of them you know together and everything but Dee Dee was very careful to eventually distance herself away from him not just geographically but emotionally as well the two of them lived together in public housing in Slidell, louisiana and spent their time going to the hospitals there can't imagine that being your hobby i know awful Dee Dee told doctors that Gypsy was having seizures every few months, so she was prescribed anti-seizure medication. She was convinced Dee Dee had muscular dystrophy, but muscle biopsies showed that not to be the case. Apparently, that was tested, like, five times, and every time it came up negative. Well, yeah, the more that you see about this story, the more that you, like, feel like she's been totally let down by the medical professionals, because there was actually a doctor who was, like, a paediatric neurologist called... Bernardo Flasterstein. What a name. Again, some great names. He had suspicions that everything wasn't as it seems, and during a consultation with Dee Dee, he wrote in his notes that the mother is not a good historian, which is like code for she's a great big liar. He did tests and they came back normal. And, and he also noticed the thing about like, if she really had muscular dystrophy, she would have lost her muscle mass. Like she, if she can't walk, then her muscles would basically degrade over time. Is this the same guy who like, she stood up for him and he was like, like, she can walk. Why is she using a wheelchair? Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know if it's the same guy. She basically, But he basically, like, said, like, there's literally no reason why you can't walk. Yeah, yeah, that's... I think he did say to her, like, she, she should be able to walk. But he obviously wrote all these notes, but then he didn't report it any further than that. Like, he just did, left it. Oh, you'd get absolutely hammered in the UK if you didn't report that to social services, wouldn't you? I know. I mean, it's happened, but there is that sort of accountability... Whereas there doesn't seem to be that here. Like, if that happened, if something like this happened in the UK and it came out, that person would be, like, dismissed from the medical profession. I know, yeah. He's still practising. I mean, I don't know him. I'm sure he's a great doctor, but you do think, like, why did you not say anything? But all that happened was Dee Dee just changed doctors. So she would just move from doctor to doctor to, like, hide. She would basically try and find someone that would agree with her. And he wasn't preferred to agree with her, I don't think, and that's so she moved on. Doctors even operated on her eyes and ears because Dee Dee's kept telling doctors that she had issues with them, which is horrific. They took away her saliva glands. Oh, I know. They, they removed her saliva glands because her mum complained about her, saying that she dribbled too much. I've done that before, dribble. We all dribble. I got sore at the side of my mouth. Oh. And it's actually a thing. Is it? And apparently old people get it in hospitals, you know, like when they're really old and then they like just dribble. And they get, he's like, I can't remember what it's called, but I remember my partner at the time said like, is that a cold sore? And I was like, no, I do not get cold sores. Thank you very much. I do not have the herpes virus. And he was like, looks like it. I was like, well, it's not. 
And then I Googled it and then spoke to my doctor and that's what it was. It's because I dribbled in the night and it had like left this like sort of sore. But potentially it could just stay there forever in your life. I did not let that happen and just put shitloads of Vaseline on it. <laughs> that's terrifying. I, I like, I dribble so much in the night. Like I think that it's a sign of a really good sleep. If you dribble, it's like the best. And I've not told you. <laughs> and I told you about, um, and you didn't want this to turn into like a... Podcast about exes. It is though now. Um, but I remember when I was going out with this guy, and he'd, he'd always say to me like, "Are you coming in?" <laughs> so I'd like go and like. I guess that's like just like lie on me on the side. So I remember lying on like his chest, <laughs> like his shoulder, and I woke up in the middle of the night, like pitch black, and I had so much dribble, <laughs> like like I can't even tell you. So I was trying to move the duvet, but every time I moved the duvet, like it sort of, he moved a bit and I was like, oh my fucking God, like he can't wake up with all my gauze on him. Like I just, so in the end, I used my hair to wipe up all my dribble. And then the next morning I woke up and my hair was like weird, like sort of stuck at a weird thingy. Not like something about Mary, but it was only gauze. It was only spit, but yeah. I was just more, I was like, oh my god. That's how you know someone's a keeper, if you can dribble on their chest and they won't mind. That's why I knew he wasn't, because I had to mop yeah. up my hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you got to laugh. Stinky hair for the rest of the day. Didi <laughs> <laughs> also told people that Gypsy had asthma, leukaemia, an allergy to sugar, and essentially brain damage due to her premature birth. When Hurricane Katrina happened, she claimed Gypsy's medical records had been destroyed along with their apartment. These were both lies. The power had been cut off for a few weeks, but that was about it. Dee Dee took a picture of an apartment destroyed to a shelter and told them that they'd lost everything, which is like, she... I imagine there's loads of people like this that do stuff like, just a chances. Do you think? Yeah. I just think, oh, you've got to I have think stuff such, like... That. I think, like... Especially stuff like horrendous disasters like something like Katrina Katrina I think it brings out the best of people and I think it brings out the worst of people I do I think there's loads of people it's like um, 9-11 you know there's people that lied that they were there but I just can't imagine the people that would have the gall to do that sort of thing and like look someone in the eye and pretend but anyway so a doctor named Janet Jordan was really moved by their plight and suggested that they move to Missouri. Local press and charities were also deeply moved and actually airlifted them to Missouri, which is where they rented until their Habitat for Humanity house was ready, which we mentioned before. Rod was kept updated about Gypsy's health and him and his wife Christy spoke to Gypsy often. Rod said that often they would plan a visit, but for one thing or another it would not end up not happening. Rod paid child support every month and frequently sent gifts for Gypsy like TVs, game consoles, etc. And Rod actually later found out that Dee Dee would unwrap them. I would do this. I would do this. If I was a single mum, <laughs> this is what I would do. So she would unwrap them and then give them to Gypsy and act like they were from her, which is sneaky. <laughs> It's horrendous, isn't it? I mean, she's just got no shame. No, she hasn't. Or morals. He also found out that Gypsy had been told that her father had abandoned them. When Gypsy was arrested for her mother's murder, he was shocked, mainly because the first thing that he saw was a video of her walking. It was, like, on the news. And he'd 
always been led to believe that she couldn't walk, so it was a complete shock. Yeah, he was like, I wasn't shocked about it. I just thought, oh my God, she could, like, he thought it was a miracle that she was like, better? The poor man. <sighs> yeah. Have you seen the video that, um, with Gypsy jumping from a rail at the side of a house and it's in this, it's like a snowy day? No. When she was ill? Yeah, when she was ill. <laughs> in speech marks, I just did little speech. Not really. <laughs> So she's sat on the side of the house and like on a rail thing and she's saying about how she's gonna jump off into this big snow pile and she's doing a little, because she's, her voice is like, I'm gonna jump off into the little snow pile. Yeah, and, then, well, and that, and that, yeah, and that's almost the, o- the only thing that's never changed about her is that really, isn't it? That sort of high pitched sort of squeaky voice. I think her voice sounds different though now. She's kind of like... I think it's got a bit deeper, yeah. Don't know if she put it on a bit. I think she did play up to it a bit, definitely, because because it's like a very specific tone to her voice. But basically, she jumps off this thing. And if you watch it, I get like knowing that she can use her legs. You're a bit like, yeah, she can use her legs. Because like, it just doesn't look right. You can sort of tell. Is she using her legs to land on? Yeah. It looks like someone pretending that they can't use their legs. Like in a TV movie. That's what I think. Maybe that's really harsh of me to say. But, well, it was obviously true. So Yeah. It was exactly what you just said. Yeah, there seemed to be a lot of times when they were just filming each other, like, well, Dee Dee was filming Gypsy. So there's lots of, like, clips of them together. So what was the motive? So we've said star-crossed lovers, so that's the motive, but I I definitely think it goes deeper than that. So Gypsy met Goji John online in 2012 on a Christian dating site. If anyone wants it, www.christiandatingforfree.com. A girl after my own heart, no one wants to pay to meet someone. I love that it's a free site. So Gypsy was worried he wouldn't be interested in someone in a wheelchair, but he told her that he didn't mind. Their messages became increasingly violent and sexual. They took photos of themselves in costumes, posed with knives, and were into BDSM imagery. When messaging, he asked her that she always capitalises his name and is respectful to him at all times. Okay, that to me is a red flag. If a man says to you, oh, hey, Nicola, can you just like, whenever you ever type my name put it in capital letters I'd be like no (laughs) like so weird (laughs) no I think at this point it's also worth noting here that Goddy John has autism so he's being diagnosed with autism and he also admits to having multiple personalities which I don't think was actually diagnosed but that he confesses in his interviews yeah and because I, th- I think he does mention doesn't he that there's almost a good and a bad well like the yorkshire ripper or something when yeah like a, a, another person that's sort of they can't control that kind of thing gypsy eventually told goddy john that she could walk but that her mum made her use a wheelchair this was this it's very significant because that's the first person that she ever told that to not even Aaliyah, the one the girl that she made friends with she, she didn't tell it to anybody. Goddard had no history of violence, but he had been arrested in 2013 for lewd conduct because he was caught looking at porn on his tablet whilst in McDonald's. Oh, We've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> Horrendous. Was he actually having a wank as well, or was it just, he was just looking at porn? Well, I don't, I think he was just looking at porn, not that that's just. Just using the free Wi-Fi. <laughs> just using the free Wi-Fi and the toilets. <laughs> Um, maybe yeah. she, maybe you took some ketchup in a pot as well. You're like, you've only bought an apple pie. You can't stay here for ten hours. <laughs> you've been, you've been wanking for so many hours. Get gone. Oh, it'd be red raw. Oh, it would be. Ugh. 
I was trying to think of like a McDonald food item that would be the equivalent. Like that m- McRib. Oh. That m- the dick no the mick the mick for her pleasure oh oh, yeah like the condom nice nice sorry it's gross wouldn't surprise me if you started selling those (laughs) so in march 2015 gypsy and godajon decided that they'd stage a meeting oh my god this is like so like trash that they'd stage a meeting hoping that if Dee Dee thought that it was the first time they'd met, that she'd let them start dating. So the plan, this kind of thing I do, <laughs> the plan was to bump into each other at a cinema in Missouri. So Dee Dee and Gypsy were going to see Disney Cinderella, that was the plan, but the meeting did not go to plan. Dee Dee immediately, like, hated Go to John. But according to Gypsy, she managed to sneak away and they banged in the bathroom stall, which is the, and that's where she lost her virginity. Oh, can I just say, as someone who used to work at a <laughs> cinema, like, that is not okay. <laughs> I was going to say, did that happen all the time? I thought you were going to say, yeah. No, honestly, people would do things in, in the actual cinema. Like, there were all kinds of liquids that you would find. Ugh. Every kind of liquid you can think of, we cleaned it up. I was, like, working there for, I don't know, like, a year before anyone said to me, oh, there's, like, a special kit that you need to use to clean up that stuff, because it's, like... Is it one of those blue light kits? <laughs> well, it's, like, a hazards kit that you've got to, like, wear all the protective gear. PPE? Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, thanks, because I could have, like, <laughs> contracted something cleaning up this shit could have got pregnant (laughs) so yeah that's that was romantic um (laughs) gypsy has since said that she was punished for this incident i don't know if her mom knew that she fucked a guy in a toilet but she said that she got jealous because i was spending too too a little too much attention on him so she ordered me to stay away from him and so she says this and needless to say that was a very long argument that lasted a couple of weeks i should say that really highly Yelling, throwing things, calling me names, bitch, slut, whore. According to this, Gypsy said that that was the day she knew Dee Dee had to die. Oh, God. So that was March 2015. So remember, she dies June 2015. Gypsy said many times since that alongside the medical abuse, Dee Dee physically abused her, holding her hand in public and painfully squeezing it if she said anything that, that Dee Dee didn't like, um, tying her to the bed as a punishment when she tried to escape and also hitting her with coat hangers and obviously like verbally abusing her saying like bitch slot whore <sighs> so this is just we're just trying to get both sides of things because obviously Dee Dee can't speak for herself this is almost Gypsy saying why it sort of escalated to, to where it did the thing about the the hand holding the squeezing of the hands again if you watch interviews like local news interviews you can sort of see it happening my mum used to do that to me i mean yeah i think that is a mum thing isn't it like <laughs> yeah if you're being a bit naughty <laughs> i think isn't it the squeeze hand and then you look up and they glare at you <laughs> yeah isn't that the isn't that they just isn't that what everyone's taught to do yeah <laughs> i mean i didn't get restrained and called bitch whore but this time <laughs> yeah um so, obviously, in March 2015, Gypsy knew that Dee Dee had to die, her mum had to die. So, she told Go to John. I keep forgetting his name. He sounds like a Pokemon. Go to John. Go to John. Gotta catch him. So, Go to John and Gypsy decided that the only way that they could be together was if they killed Dee Dee. After, so, obviously, it went sour, the movie date meet up. So, she just needed to die. Seems a bit too much, in my opinion. It's a tad too much. But... It's a decision they made. So they discussed several ways of murdering her. Go to John has said that he said to Gypsy, "If okay, if you're really serious about this, then 
This is not something to joke around about. You have to understand that once we do this, we are not going to be able to go back. This is something to not turn back from. That's something my hairdresser would say to me if I was saying I might cut my hair into a bob. Yeah, you're going to have a crop. Yeah, it's them saying, are you sure? Because once we do this, Nicola, we can't go back. So are you sure with that? We could maybe do hair extensions, but we can't. That is just, like, the way he talks about it, it just does not sound. Like, it just shouldn't be the kind of things you say when you're discussing murder. So the options they discussed were suicide. Gypsy thought that this would be too much work. Fair enough. Poisoning. Goda John said that they didn't really know how to get their hands on any poison. <laughs> Fucking Deedee did. Round up weed killer. I also thought, surely Gypsy had shit tons of medication they could have made a poison out of. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. Gunshot. So Goda John said that once Gypsy brought up the idea of using a firearm, and he said, I'm thinking that makes too much noise, and you, Gypsy, don't want to alert anyone around you. It's so weird that they have these kind of conversations. Mad. So then they said stabbing. Goda John said that stabbing was silent. And he told Gypsy, you don't want to alert your neighbours or anything like that. So it might be the way we have to go about it. So really, in my eyes, the way I see it, I see it as basically a conjoined decision. It was really both our decisions to use the knife, really. So that's his, that's, that's his reasoning. Gypsy sees it differently. In a 2017 interview with Dr. Phil McGraw, she said that Go to John had conditions for the murder and one of his conditions was that he killed Dee Dee with a knife. So on the day of the murder, Go to John travelled to Missouri and checked into a motel and then waited for Gypsy to contact him. She texted him saying basically, Mum's in bed, come, Dee Dee's asleep. When he arrived, Gypsy gave him a knife and some blue gloves. She then hid in the bathroom, apparently naked. Oh really? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, apparently she was naked. Yeah, I heard that she was like naked curled up on the floor covering her ears but she, she hid in the bathroom covered her ears until her mother was dead Goda John said that when he attacked Dee Dee his rage came out he said the dark shadow part of him didn't waste any time making an example out of someone he got on top of her which woke her up she ended up asking me so this is Goda John who are you he then told her oh, and this just this feels almost like from a film doesn't it I'm your fucking nightmare he then stabbed her 17 times in the back and injured her so badly, he almost decapitated her. He said, I went as far as I could into her, and not meaning to, I ended up puncturing some very vital parts of the body. He's clearly got serious issues. And it is almost like he's like acting like it's a film. The role play and... Yeah, it's almost like that sort of, yeah, acting something out. You know, and he just said he lost control. So Gypsy's version of events, she said, I honestly thought he would end up not doing it says the girl who handed him a knife and some blood blood. Um, I heard her scream once and there was more screaming, but not like the kind in a horror film. Just like a startled scream. And she asked, who was it that was in the bedroom? She called out my name about three or four times. And at that point, I wanted to go help her so bad, but I was so afraid to get up. It's like my body wouldn't move then everything just went quiet i mean that is traumatic like whatever they've gone through together like her screaming for her daughter's help and her just ignoring it because she wouldn't know that's the thing Dee Dee wouldn't have known who he was because i mean even if she'd have vaguely remembered it i mean it's middle of the night you're not gonna gonna remember someone you've met once and you didn't like it at cinema horrible so after goda john murdered Dee Dee, gypsy said that she had to convince him not to rape Her corpse? I mean, what the actual fuck? So she compromised and said that he could rape her if he left her mother's body alone. Goda John said that after the murder, they had consensual sex, but Gypsy maintains that it 
initially was consensual, but then it turned into rape. Again, so different um, accounts. Psychiatrist Dr. Mark Feldman said that he doesn't think Nick would have killed anyone in his life if it hadn't been for this strange, powerful relationship that he'd developed with Gypsy. He says, I mean, I don't, I can't know that, but nonetheless, there is no evidence from his past for violence of any kind. I think it was a perfect storm of some predisposition, perhaps, of his meeting a person who had a goal, and that goal evolved into the death of her own mother. So, yeah, apart from the lewd conduct in McDonald's, he didn't have any prior convictions. So after the murder, Gypsy and Godajon took 4000 from Dee Dee's safe, so that's the only money she had, and spent the night in a motel before catching a bus to his home in Wisconsin. There is actually film of them getting onto the bus, getting onto the Greyhound bus, but then there's also film of that they've taken, she's, um, Gypsy's taken on her mobile phone of, of them in bed together naked and whatever oh. and they're like acting like it's weird because when you see pictures of them they look exactly the same yeah they do don't they in those headshots because obviously she's got short hair but yeah they look exactly in the headshots they look exactly the same person but they were basically like acting like um a couple that had just got to... well like on a, on a honeymoon almost that kind of thing it's a bit weird to think oh you just killed someone the police spoke to a taxi driver that pick them up or drop them off. Um, I'm not sure if it was to get the the bus or pick them up from the bus to take them to home. And he said, if he had to guess, well, not guess, but he said, the way that Gypsy was acting, he'd say she was the ringleader. Oh, really? That's so interesting. Yeah, so, but because he, he said she was, like, almost acting, like, happy and also about this, where he seemed a bit more reserved, but, yeah. you know. Hmm, interesting. They also posted the murder weapon to themselves via UPS mad on the 15th of june that's when they posted the facebook updates to Didi's profile so gypsy said that she'd ask go to john to post what he did because she couldn't stand the thought of her just being there because what happens if it would have taken months to find her so i wanted her to be found so that she could have a proper burial she shouldn't have bothered really because she knew that her family were going to be like just flush it just flush the remains yeah but i was thinking really these two could have gotten away with it if they'd not posted the murder weapon and if they'd not posted those states updates so the police couldn't find the IP address. And if, well, and if she'd not told that Aaliyah would Mansi, if she'd not messaged her, they could have got away with it because they'd have just assumed someone had kidnapped Gypsy and then there'd be no trace of her. If they'd fled the country as well, I think the trouble is that they went to his, like, home. Yeah. But we're not telling them how to do their crime. <laughs> no, you know. I'm just saying, if they did it again, maybe think about things a bit more. <laughs> Goda John has said that the five days he and Gypsy spent together after Dee Dee's murder were the most intense and magical and awe-inspiring days I've ever had. From the very beginning, I just knew we were soulmates. I was going to get a job, stop looking for an apartment. I'd probably end up marrying her and having children with her. That's something I've never had with someone else. I've never, ever had it. And to this day, she's the only one I've had it with. It is sad because he is obviously, like, infatuated to the point where, like, I think that, that his mental capacity means that he's really fallen hard. Because I think in, they find out in the trial later that he's only got, like, the mental age of someone who's sort of 10 or 11. Yeah, he won't have the emotional capacity that a sort of normal adult would have. So he, yeah, didn't really have a chance, bless him. Once they failed captured at Goda John's home, they were extradited back to Missouri and held on a $1 million bond. Originally, Gypsy denied that she had anything to do with her mother's murder, but with evidence mounting up against her, she confessed. There's videos, again, of this, like, of the, the 
um, interview, like the first interview where the police officer's like, now Gypsy, I have to tell you, your mother's dead. And she's like, really acting, acting up for it. She's like, what? Like, and it's and he's like, yeah, but we know that you already know this. And then it's like, um, okay. Uh, makes you cringe. Yeah, it's really cringe to watch. Because oh. you can just sort of see her like, oh shit. You can tell. Yeah. That's it, you've got to commit to something. Like, if that was me and I had done it, I'd just be like, I'm committing to the fact, and I would just be like, no, I didn't do it, and just go to my grave. So, the police found text messages between the two that appeared to discuss and plan Dee Dee's death again. Like, this is one-on-one of, like, what not to do if you're planning a murder. In the text messages, Goda John said, Honey, you forget I am ruthless and my hatred of her will force her to die. It's my evil side doing it. He won't mess up because he enjoys killing. Again, this feeds into like the different personalities thing. Prosecutors also said that they found social media messages of Gypsy directly asking Goda John to kill her mother, though these have never been made public. On the 5th of July 2016, Gypsy pleaded guilty of murdering Dee Dee. So it was actually a plea deal because she could have gone up for, it could have been a, she could have got the death penalty because they have that in that state. But I think with everything. No one thinks about this. If I lived in America, the first thing, if I was going to murder someone that I think about is, does this state have the death penalty? It's mad. So yeah, they did this plea deal and the prosecutor, Dan Patterson, referred to the extraordinary and unusual circumstances of the case. He later said that he didn't think it would have been fair to secure a first-degree murder conviction against Gypsy due to the years of abuse Gypsy had suffered. In November 2018, Goda John was found guilty of first-degree murder after a four-day trial. Gypsy, actually, part of her plea deal was that she had to testify. So she testified during the trial and she said that there was a master and slave dynamic to their relationship and that she admitted that she'd come up with a plan to kill her mother. As I said before, questions were raised about Goda John's mental competency, but they were dismissed by the jurors. So I have a couple of issues with that. One, that she doesn't get... He gets first-degree murder, and she doesn't. I think because he did it. I know, because he actually did it, but... Yeah. I think, though, and I think that there's the phrase, mitigating circumstances, comes up a lot. So because she... she was basically abused for 23 years that's why because some people she sort of said like her family her own family don't think think that it's too harsh what she's got whereas really considering she's obviously said i wanted my mum dead and i asked this man to do it you know i mean she's she's admitting guilt and she was there as well wasn't she yeah i think that her like what she got was fair i don't think that what the amount of time that he gets is fair because especially considering i think the mental competency thing there's definitely elements if anything he probably from what i've read and heard sounds like he should actually be in a psychiatric unit probably or at least being tested which is fine but not like in a normal prison but anyway regarding the conviction on the 22nd of february 2019 go john was sentenced to life imprisonment without parole for first degree murder and a concurrent 25 year sentence on the charge of armed criminal action so he's realistically probably in there for quite a long time i think that he should definitely be you know under the 
watchful eye of some sort of system but i don't know if prison system is right like mental health forensic type would be better i think you're right gypsy spoke to dr phil in 2017 admitting that she's not glad that her mother's dead but that she is glad to be out of the situation she also said that she feels her sentence is a bit too harsh saying i believe firmly that no matter what murder is not okay but at the same time i don't believe i deserve as many years as i got i don't believe that i'm in the right place to get the help that i need Thoughts? Yeah, I feel a bit torn about it because I do understand that she's been through like you know an ordeal like from birth basically, but she, I know that she was a child and that she feared to you know come forward and and say oh actually my mum's lying. But there was a part of me that questions like that she's spent so much of her life around this incredibly manipulative person and carried on lying, and we don't know how much of the stuff that she says that happened with her and go to John whether his account is true or whether her account is true and the whole thing about her sort of manipulating him into murdering rather than her actually doing the murder I almost feel like that would be more justified if it was her that carried out the act either way it's a horrible thing to have happened and you just think as well like looking back so her mum was manipulative her mum like her mum's mum was manipulative it's almost like she's only ever been exposed to a mum really so has she learnt that behavior you know well not even learnt it but that behavior is surely ingrained into her you know and she says i knew that i could walk and she said i didn't think i had cancer because i was never having chemotherapy but my mum kept giving medicine and saying you have got cancer this is your medication and then she'd shave her head but she was like i knew that you know i knew that there were lies being said about me but again it's whether did she know the whole story did she know bits of the story apparently she didn't know her age because there was like tons of birth certificates with different ages on it's that it's that thing it's no one but gypsy and dd know to what extent because well, she wasn't stupid she wasn't stupid like everyone says and i do feel like when you watch the videos it feels like there's a performance there like that her voice is higher than it is when later you come back to her and she's in the prison so gypsy rose is being held at the chili cough Correctional Centre in Missouri, where she's been since 2016. She'll be eligible for parole in 2024, just before she turns 33. Oh my god. In a 2018 interview, Gypsy's stepmother, Christy, said Gypsy was thriving in prison. She said that she's still doing really well and said that she has a job, Gypsy has a job, she attends classes and she enjoys photography. And that despite everything, she still tells me that she's happier now than with her mum. If she had a choice to either be in jail or back with her mum, she would rather be in jail. Mm. That's really sad. That's the most insulting thing you could ever say. So early last year, this is mad. So early last year, it came to light that Gypsy had become engaged to her pen pal, Ken. But unfortunately, the engagement was broken off. Apparently, they planned to marry in January 2020. But according to a spokesperson, both Gypsy and Ken are brokenhearted over the situation and still have nothing but love for each other. They each intend on taking some time apart to focus on themselves as individuals. But then, by August, they were then back on, but it was said that they planned on keeping their relationship private from now on. But then I found another article that said that she's now single. How is a tiny little murderer, Chris, more successful and meeting someone than I am? <laughs> this is mad. What the hell's that about? You need to get on these Christian dating sites and telling you and talk about BDSM. Um, she does look like a different person as well, if you look back at those old photos of her. She's a really pretty, attractive woman, isn't she? She is. And apparently she was one of the few people that 
when she went into prison put on weight because apparently the food's awful but she put on like 14 pounds in the first year because her mum was clearly starving her and she was getting these food through a tube so it was restricting the amount of food that she was getting so she just wasn't developing like she wasn't yeah she was being tube fed or she was drinking those cans of you know like where all your vitamins are just in a can i guess like slim fast but medical so depressing i know Gypsy herself has said, in some ways they're the same, but now I'm so much more free. She said, the prison I was living in before with my mum, it was like I couldn't walk, I couldn't eat, I couldn't have friends. Over here, I feel like I'm freer in prison than living with my mum. I can live like a normal woman. I mean, not normal, imprisoned woman. But like, she was in prison before, so it's just a different... Imagine the struggle she's going to face when she comes out of prison. Exactly, because she's been so institutionalised by basically her mum and then... Or controlled... Yeah. yeah, controlled. That she, I think she'll find it quite hard to um, to adjust. I did hear with the documentary, the Mummy Dead and Dearest, which is the HBO documentary, which is really good. The director of that, who I was talking about before, she was saying that she's actually talked to Gypsy about when she comes out, doing a follow up to the documentary of like how she basically what what she does and oh, that would be interesting. Really interesting. I would say there's lot, there's so much out there. It, that it's, that's been one of the toughest things, I think, for us this time, because there's been so much. Yeah, there is lots. There's two TV programmes, Mummy Dead and Dearest, and then The Act. Uh, the Act has got is their drama. Yeah, it's a fictionalised version, so... Yeah. I think it's based on the story, so there's probably a few bits that they add, but Mummy Dead and Dearest is the HBO documentary that was... I think it was out in 2016. And it's got interviews with her, like, in prison, um, Gypsy, and a lot of background, that kind of thing. There's also another one called Gypsy's Revenge, which sounds really tacky. But it's actually... It does overlap a bit with Mummy Dead and Dearest. It's another documentary about it that does have some other insights into the whole thing. I'm just going to say one thing. So, obviously, we've spoken about Munchausen by proxy uh, with regards to Dee Dee. So when I've read about it, it said that obviously Dee Dee was murdered before she could be diagnosed with this. So this is obviously speculation because we can't know what her intentions were. She obviously did tick the boxes. Gypsy, when she's looked at the what Munchausen by proxy is, says, yep, that's what my mum had. You know, with her having medical experience, changing location so that she wasn't near anybody that could sort of question her, keeping uh, friends and family emotionally as well at a distance and changing doctors and Apparently, it's really common for Munchausen by proxy to start with sleep apnea. Having a baby and it trigger and, and, and thinking they're going to die triggers that sort of thinking some, everything's wrong with them. So I read an interview with an expert on Munchausen by proxy, and it was this Dr. Mark Feldman, who I have mentioned before. And he said that, like, he says, one thing I want to point out is that doctors today do not get compensated nor have time to review outside medical reports at any length. So they have increasingly relied on maternal report in these sorts of cases. That's how these cases go undiagnosed indefinitely. These perpetrators can be remarkably creative verbally and so skillful in presenting a history that the doctor doesn't have a second thought. So I think that that's what we have to remember, you know, because obviously we said about how ridiculous it is that you can do that, but I think it's that thing that they aren't paid to sit there and review shit tons of paperwork. They're just like, this is my time. My time is money. And not like, like the NHS has to do. You know, you pay for your own treatment, so who's going to question that if you're, you know, no one... The assumption is that no one wants their child to be ill, or no one wants someone to be ill, so the majority of people aren't going to do that. And it's not cheap as well in America. 
Like, all these procedures would have cost, like, so much money. Yeah. Like, I don't know if she had... In- I mean, she must have had insurance. Yeah. I mean, I presume she wasn't paying. Well, I think she was getting a lot of money. If, like, so if there was a procedure, she would contact the dad and get him to help out. So he... Like, in these documentaries and like articles... There's another really good article, actually, on BuzzFeed by Michelle Dean. Yeah, that's about Dee Dee and Gypsy. And there's, yeah, a lot of talk about how... The dad, he feels really guilty for basically not realising sooner as well. But I think she was just so, she was just so good at high, like manipulating the situation, DD. That Yeah, and I think every time he, where well, you've said about it before, like he'd try and organise to come and see Gypsy, but it would always get cancelled and it would always be because of medical emergencies. Yeah, you can't really say anything against that. I did see as well, actually, that there was... Um, did you see the thing about that the, there was a, an instance where someone actually called up the police um, anonymously? I think it happened in 2009. Um, and they ended up doing a welfare check. Yes. Because they there was this report that there was mistreatment um, and that basically Dee Dee had been mistreating Gypsy. The police went round and basically Dee Dee did her whole thing about like, I'm a single mother, I'm trying my best. Like, it's really hard. She's got all these health issues and I just had a break. Like, that kind of thing. And basically was able to get sympathy and they left her. So it was, again, another like way that people let Gypsy down. And did they write something down like, yeah, yeah, they put they put something like child definitely has mental issues or something. Oh, did they? Oh god. She must have acted a sock to- socks off on that occasion. But I don't think is it it's never been confirmed who that was that rang up, is it? No, no, I think it was completely anonymous, so. Cuz he, he, the her dad said it wasn't me and the doctor who queer, you know, who thought there was Munchausen by proxy going on. It's, he said it was no, it wasn't him either. So it's unknown who it, who it was that that called the the police. Interesting. I wonder who it was. But yeah, that is crazy, crazy, crazy. So do, yeah, don't do that, guys. Don't go killing your mum, killing your dad, or making up illnesses for family members. Let that be a lesson to you. Thank you for listening, everyone. Yeah, lots of lovely feedback. It would actually mean the world to us if you did go, if you do listen on iTunes, if you go on there, leave a five-star rating. Yeah. Yeah. Just a suggestion, but five stars if you want, but, you know. And also a review with actual words and everything, because that does really help. Like, obviously, we're getting a few more listeners now, which is really nice to see. Yes, hello, Um, hello. So, hello to anyone that's just started listening. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with a periodical. Spending our next two weeks finding the craziest stories we can that are out there. Like, listen, subscribe! (laughs) Thanks very much! Yeah, thanks, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye! 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 Bye!